And if we can have the screen pull up, if we've got a, a slide for this morning's message, the title is Zeal for the Good. Zeal for the Good. You know, this is something that is, is uh, it's a message close to my heart because I feel like all my life I've, I've had this like passion, this zeal for different things. I was just thinking uh, before we started this morning about some of the things that I've been zealous about at different times in my life. And I'll tell you this, they weren't all good things. I, I remember a time where I was like trying to figure out what kind of hobbies I was into and I would like get hot on something for about a week and I, would, I was going to be like the best at this thing. It was like snowboarding for a little while. I thought I was going to go be Sean White and like perform in the Olympics and do all this stuff. And you know, we live in Iowa, so that wasn't really a realistic expectation. I mean, Seven Oaks is great, but like we don't have the giant hills or anything like that. I can remember other times where, you know, I thought I was going to start out like one time I started a library in my room because I thought that I was like really going to make some money with this thing. And uh, I remember my siblings, they came in and I had them pay me like a quarter to borrow the books that our family had because I had stuck them all in my room. And I was like, this is going to be the thing. You know, I'm going to run this library out of my house in, in the bedroom of my house. And, you know, I'm just going to have my friends come and they'll pay me their library due. And I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I, I would get this excitement about things. I would get this passion for things, for these, you know, new ideas that I had. And I'll tell you this, zeal misdirected, it, it never goes anywhere. Zeal that's misdirected. We were talking a minute ago about loyalty, about willingness of coming into line with the plans of God. This is really what this morning is about. It's zeal for the good is a very good thing, but zeal for the wrong thing is not, it's either not going to go anywhere or it's going to take you to the wrong place. And so well, this morning, the heart of the message, I mean, I'll just sum it up right now and, and then hopefully you'll still pay attention to the rest of it anyway. Zeal for the good is going to cause you to pursue the good things of God with intensity, with passion, with desire, with excellence. You know, I referenced that scripture out of 2 Corinthians 8 just a minute ago, and it talked last week about how we ought to have an excellence in our enthusiasm for the things of God. I'm, I'm passionate about this because not only is this zeal thing something that's been a part of me throughout my life, but also, I'll just share, this is, really, this is a really personal thing for me, and so I hope it blesses you. Um, about a year and a half ago, God was talking to me one time, and, and he, what he said to me was this. I can just sum it up for you. It was a short thing, but it was really powerful and meaningful to me. He said, today the church needs joy, passion, and focus on Jesus. And I know that there's, look, that's not like a sum up of the gospel. That's not what I'm giving you today. But what was happening is God was calling my attention to things that the church would need in the modern time to be effective, to flourish. And I believe the reason for that is he was highlighting to me, these are some things that a lot of Christians are missing. This isn't where I'm going to spend a lot of time this morning. But can you see that? That there is, there is a missing of joy, passion, and focus on Jesus. Maybe not here. I pray that it doesn't happen. I pray actively against that here. I want this to be a place full of joy in the Lord. I want this to be a place full of passion for the Lord. I want this to be a place focused on the things of God. But I'll tell you, at different times, the, the church as a whole, the global church, has maybe gotten off in some of this. Maybe, maybe it's become duller. You know, oh, it's not passionate. We were talking about the rut last week. I mean, this message would pair really well with that. I didn't intend to do that, but it could have been paired with that. You know, in the rut, there's a lack of zeal. There's a lack of passion. And hey, we're getting pulled out of the ruts of life, aren't we? We're coming up to the racetrack. We're being redeemed to a higher place of living. I'll tell you, in God's plan, we ought to be living with passion, with zeal for the things of God. 
too, too many, I'm, I'm just talking, I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? Too many days I've spent apathetic about the things of God. I've spent just kind of going through the motions about the things of God. And I'm not going to preach to you about ruts again this morning, even though I feel like I could right now. But I've got zeal, I've got passion, I've got drive, I've got intensity in taking the things of God forward. And the reason is because people need God and it's going to be passionate people that get God to the people. I believe it, it is those who are on fire that shine the brightest light to the people. Do you believe that? that? That it takes an intensity. You know, we could just, I wasn't even going to talk about light bulbs this morning, but like a bright light shines brighter than a dull light. Doesn't it? Well, this zeal, this passion, it's an intense burning. It, it is a, an illumination of the things of God. And I'll tell you, passionate Christians are going to show the light of God in a greater way than apathetic Christians. If, if I'm just here, if I don't really care, if I don't have an intense desire, if I don't have an enthusiasm, if I don't have like a heat about the things of God, a fervor about the things of God, I'm not going to get as much done. We're going to look at a couple examples this morning of people who got a lot done for the kingdom of God and the zeal that was present in their life. And, and I want to identify this morning too. I know that there are different personalities or, or temperaments or kind of ways that people are. And, and I've kind of got that personality. I told you already that I'm a little bit zealous as it is. And so I'm not trying to say, hey, you, you all need to be as excited as I am about everything that God's doing in life. But I'll tell you, I believe the church is called to be a passion-driven church and enthusiastic about the gospel-driven church. And that may manifest in different ways. You know, I get excited about something and I want to start yelling and, and like jumping and you see me like just moving around up here. I heard somebody said last week that Pastor Isaac must have had a lot of coffee before he started preaching. No, I'm just excited about the things of God. I'm enthusiastic. I'm on fire about the things of God. I think it was Spurgeon. Spurgeon, he had said that um, someone asked him, why do so many people you know, come and listen to your messages? He said, well, I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. With the, with the gospel. He's like, I just, I get pumped. I'm excited. I'm on fire about the things of God and people come to see it. People want to see the passion. And I'll tell you, when you understand what God has done for you, you are going to be full of passion, full of drive, full of enthusiasm for the things of God. Let's look at Titus 2, verses 11 through 14 in the Amplified Translation this morning. This is where I want to start and we're going to see some things about what God has done and how what he's created us to be is a passionate people. A, a zealous people. I like the word zeal, so we're going to stick with that this morning. A zealous people. In Titus 2, verse 11, it says, For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I, I could preach about that this morning, but I, I can't because we don't have time. God has given grace. It's undeserved. It's amazing. And it brings salvation. He has sent his son to provide grace for you and I. It's appeared to all men. It's been offered to all men. That's good news. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading about this. The grace is what we're talking about. He sent his grace, which is available because his son came. The grace, it teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly or immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. I got to stop and, and take a break. I'll tell you this about grace. I've heard people say before, grace is just like this cheap message. Grace is just this get out of hell free card. That kind of philosophy, that kind of ideology, it's wrong because grace is going to teach you about living for God. When you get an understanding of the grace of God, when you know that he, he has freely provided a gift of salvation for you by the, by the payment of Christ and all you have to do is call out on his name and believe in your heart who he is, when you get an understanding of that, your identity is going to change. You're going to begin learning and, and growing in grace. I believe this about grace. It's not just like a one 
once and done, like I get grace and then it's all over, I'm, I'm where I need to be. No, grace is I've received salvation, I've come into a relationship with God, and now grace is going to teach me about who I am. I, I have become a new person, and now grace is going to teach me about who I am in God. And grace is going to change who I am. I don't have to change who I am to get grace, but having grace in my life is going to change the person that I am. Grace is going to train me to reject uh, and renounce all ungodliness. It's going, to, it's going to suppress the worldly desires because, hey, that's not who I am anymore. I know that I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So grace tells me, hey, this isn't who I am anymore. Grace is, is even the power. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring fruit, to produce fruit. I don't get that without grace. I can't have different fruit if I haven't been changed. And grace is what changes me. Amen. And so grace, grace is good. Grace teaches us to reject ungodliness, worldly desires, and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. And then in the Amplified, I love that it talks about this. Um, my translation of the Amplified, it says, lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. You know, we, we see up there, it says, spiritually whole lives in this present world. Lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. We're going to come back here in a minute and talk a little bit more about that. Awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be sacrificed, crucified on our behalf, to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession, who are enthusiastic, or we could say zealous, for doing what is good. For doing what is good. Beneficial deeds is the way it says it up on the screen. <coughs> And so I believe this, when we receive God's grace, grace is going to teach us, it's, it's, the word is going to become alive in us, it talks about that in Colossians 3, that, that the word, the grace, it will dwell in you richly in, in wisdom and teaching and admonishment, we're instructed in 2 Peter to grow in grace, and so I believe this, as we get grace at the beginning, we're going to grow, it's going to cause us um, to, to subdue the flesh and change some things in our life, but it's all a result of having already received the grace of God, grace is going to cause you to grow, amen? Do we agree? with that this morning, grace is going to cause you to grow. Becoming a new creation in Christ, I'm going to live different. It's going to be different life in Christ than it was before. Let's talk about this phrase, lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity. Godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. You know, I was thinking about this, how God, he doesn't just like change us and then set us right back into life the same way we were before. God gives us a new purpose. I love that it says uh, uh, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity. Um, having a purpose, this is going back to the grace and growth thing, having a purpose is going to cause me uh, to grow. Having a purpose, a, a, a goal in mind at the end, like if my purpose is to do the work of the Lord, I'm, I'm going to grow and I'm going to I'm going to develop. I'm going to learn what the Word says. I'm going to be taught. I'm going to I'm going to pursue wisdom and understanding and knowledge, like it talks about in Proverbs, because I, I want to be able to fulfill the purpose that God is giving me. It, it likens it here to spiritual maturity, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity. Maturity is growth, isn't it? Maturity is is growing up. You know, I was thinking about um, 
For me at a younger time, I couldn't wait to grow up. You've probably heard people say that before. I can't wait to grow up. Why do people, why do people get like that? Why is it that we can't wait to grow up or to get to the next stage? For me at a younger age, it was because I wanted, I, there was stuff I wanted to do, and I couldn't do it until I had grown up, right? There's, there's like, hey, I want to go be independent. I want to I wanna use my money the way that I want to use it. I want to go where I want and not have to be you know, accountable to you, mom and dad, about what I want to do. There was a, a, a maturity thing that I wanted, but in order to get that, I first had to mature. Well, I believe that as we grow in the grace of God, we're, we're going to have access to do some things for God that weren't there when we were um, less mature. I believe our life on earth is we're going to be constantly growing in the things of God until the day that Christ comes back. Do you believe that this morning? We're always going to have more growth to do. Now, we've been perfected on the inside, and I'm kind of off of my main point for today, but we've been made perfect on the inside already. Our spirit man has been renewed and perfected in Christ, but I've still got this flesh to, to deal with, to subdue, and I'm going to learn in grace how to do that all the days of this life on earth, okay? And so um, we have lives now that have purpose that reflects spiritual maturity. And so I ask myself this then, as I'm reading through Titus 2, what is the purpose? You know, what is the purpose that I'm, I'm growing in spiritually? What is the purpose um, that spiritual maturity has um, in my life? What has God given me as a purpose? And he lists it right, right there in verse 13 and 14. Our purpose is actively awaiting the return of Christ. You know, as a Christian, my purpose is to actively await the return of Christ. Now, you might be thinking of some other Bible verses that you could bring up and say, well, like, what about this? Aren't we supposed to be doing this? Isn't this our purpose? I'll tell you this, actively awaiting the return of Christ is like, that's like the catch-all purpose. This, this includes the Great Commission, actively awaiting uh, Christ's return. It includes spiritual growth. It, it, it includes, um, you know, building the kingdom and doing things we were talking about a minute ago. Actively awaiting the return of Christ, it means this, we are doing something while we wait. It means we're doing something while we wait. We're getting things ready, right? We're getting things ready for when Christ returns. We're, we're bringing in the harvest. We've, we've seen that illustration in the word before, that there is a harvest out there. People that are ready to receive Christ, we're supposed to be going. We're supposed to be sharing the name of Jesus, and I believe we're supposed to be leading people to our Lord, all right? This is our actively awaiting. Now, you can hear waiting and think, well, I'm just, I'm just hanging out until he comes back if he decides to do that in my lifetime. That's not actively awaiting. Actively awaiting is I am, I am going. I, I am on a mission. I have an intensity about what I'm doing. I have a zeal to go and do this active awaiting. And then um, awaiting with the expectation of glory. You know, it, it is looking ahead. It is looking forward um, to the day that Christ returns. It is looking ahead to the things God has, glorious things that are for us. Here's something that... Um, goes along with this, part of our purpose, it says that we are awaiting confidently, expecting the blessed hope and the glorious appealing of our great, appearing of our great God and Savior Christ, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf. So then the next thing we're seeing here is why Jesus did what he did. Now, we talked about it earlier, it's because he loves us, he came to redeem us. Let's look at the three things that are identified here, three reasons God gave his son for you, why Christ died for you. It says, to redeem us, 
which we could say it is, it is to compensate for the fault, to pay the price, to re regain us. That's another way that redeem is, is used, is to regain, to gain possession of something that was previously lost. He regained us, compensated for us. The second reason is to purchase our freedom from all wickedness. Hey, that's good news. We've talked about that before. That's kind of what last week was about. He's, he's purchased our freedom from the, the bondage, from the slavery of wickedness that we used to be involved in. And then the third thing, he says, to purify us for him as a chosen, special, personal. He says, to be his own possession. When I read that, I think of, of personal. You know, my own possession, that's something personal for me. We, we have been chosen. We, he has purified us as a chosen, special, personal people for him. And then I love that this is thrown in there at the end. It, it says a, a chosen, special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. What I see is part of God's purifying my life to be his own chosen, special, personal people is he gives me enthusiasm for what is good. I read it right here in Titus 2 verse 14. I, I've been purified to be his, but part of being his is, is being an enthusiastic, a passionate, a zealous person for the things that are good. And so the zeal for the good isn't just something that I work up in myself. It's not just supposed to be like my own thing or my own disposition. Being excited and passionate about the things of God are part of being a pure, chosen, personal person of God. I believe that our zeal for God is part of the redemption plan. You know that? I, I think when God redeemed you, he gave you a passion for the things of God that wasn't there before. You know, before I, I had fully committed my life to Christ, you need a handheld? Yeah. Yeah. This is... I, I, ooh, whoa. I bet that was distracting. Okay. Let's, let's get back on the zeal here. Is this better? Is this better here? Okay. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, so we, now we're excited, right? Now we're passionate about this, right? Zeal. I believe that when God redeemed you, passion was part of the redemption plan. Zeal was part of the redemption plan. Um, before I got saved and had fully committed my life to serving Christ, I wasn't all that excited about the things of God. I don't know about you. I don't know if you heard about church before you were saved, but you probably didn't care about it. But I'll tell you this, for me today... I, there are few, few things that even come close to as much as I care about the work of God, about my relationship with him, about moving the, the, the mark forward, about moving the kingdom forward in this area, in this life. I want the kingdom of God to be the thing I'm most passionate about. And that happens through redemption. When I became redeemed, zeal was part of that plan. We're a chosen special people who are made to be enthusiastic for doing what is good. We are zealous. God has made us zealous for what is good. Zeal is part of your redemption plan. Let's look at Galatians 4, 17 and 18. Here's another scripture about um, zeal. And, and what I want you to see this morning is that zeal, passion, um, it's really just like a tool. It, it's, it's not, zeal itself isn't good or bad, but depending on what it is applied for, will either make it really good or it'll make it really bad. Let's look at Galatians 4. It says, uh, Paul writing to the church, he says, they, the Judaizers, um, these, so these are people that were Jews and they're trying to pull um, believers back into um, kind of re religious traditions and pull them back into, you know, you, you need to be circumcised and, and you need to um, come and offer with the priests and like you, you can't live um, in this grace kind of life. You have to come and live in this law legalism kind of life. And so 
was this pulling back um, to Jewish religion rather than living in the new covenant. And so it says, they, the Judaizers, they zealously court you, but for no good. So they had zeal. The Judaizers had zeal, but it was for no good. And it was because it was for the wrong thing. They were zealous, but about the wrong thing. He says, yes, they want to exclude you. And he's talking about from Paul and from his um, group of disciples, from the people that were preaching about the new covenant, about grace. He says, they want to pull you away from us, from this message of grace. And they want you to be zealous for them and, and for their teaching only. This is kind of what's inferred here. They don't want you hearing the good news of grace. They don't want you hearing uh, about Christ. They want you to come back to the law and to the prophets and to kind of this system that they already had established. They want to pull you out of what is uh, new in Christ and back into what is old. And so he says, they're, they're zealous about this, but it's not good. There is no zeal here because they're just trying to draw you away from the zeal for the Lord. He says this in verse 18. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. And so I love this phrase. It's good to be zealous in a good thing always. It's good to be zealous in a good thing. This is kind of a, here, there's a little snapshot for you. It's good to be zealous in a good thing, but it's not good to be zealous in a bad thing. You know, zeal alone, like I said, is not necessarily good or bad. Zeal is just a passion. It's an enthusiasm. It, it, is, it is like a, an intensity that comes either for good things or for bad things. You can be zealous about really great things like the kingdom of God, or you can be zealous about really bad things. And I, I mean, we could talk about examples probably all day of things we could be zealous for that weren't necessarily good. You know, there are people that are zealous uh, about getting what they want. And it's not good for anybody. It's not good for them. And it's definitely not good for any of the people that they're stepping on trying to get what they want. There's an intensity about it. I don't care what happens. I am just moving forward. I'm doing this thing. I am I'm impassionately involved. I, I am intensely desiring this thing. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. I'll tell you, zeal can be good or bad. Zeal can be good or bad. And when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's really bad. <clears throat> Zeal alone is not necessarily good or bad. Um, you know, zeal for the things of the flesh is an example of something that's bad. Uh, we're told to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, the flesh, it comes with some passions. It comes with desires. Have you ever felt that in your flesh? This like fire, this burning, I need this, I want this, I have to do this. That's zeal. And the zeal's not bad. It's just what you're zealous for could be the wrong thing. You know, um, driving on the road isn't bad. I drive on the road to come to church, and I think that's a great thing. But I could, I could also drive my car into a river, and that wouldn't be a very good thing at all. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not the way I get there. It's the destination is what matters. And so with zeal, it's the same way. We, it, the zeal isn't good or bad. It's just about where we're going. And so when we say zeal for the good, it's about setting our destination on God and then deciding, I'm going to be intense about the way that I pursue that. I'm going to be intense about the way that I get there. And he says it here. It's good to be zealous in a good thing. And we saw in Titus 2, when we were purified by Christ, uh, he said to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. God wants you enthusiastic for doing what's good. Do you know that this morning? He wants a passionate church, a passionate people to do what's good. And so it's good to be zealous in a good thing. It's good to be enthusiastic for doing good. All right, let's talk uh, for a minute here about the word zeal. All right, zeal. 
It's the Greek word zelos. It's Z-E-L-O-S, zelos. And what it's talking about is enthusiasm. It's talking about heat. You know, the the, uh, illustration given for this word is like water that gets so hot that there's a bubbling over that happens. It's like boiling over. I I was making soup yesterday, and that happened. I was sitting in the other room, and I heard my pot getting zealous in the other room. It goes whoosh. And I thought, oh, great. Great. The pot boiled over. You know, that is how we are supposed, that's a picture of how you and I are supposed to be living. But with the things of God, we ought to be living with such a heat about God, with such a fervor, with such an intensity in the things of God that it just bubbles over in us. I feel like I'm this way some, some days I'm not this way, but some days I am. I feel like when I come to church, when I'm around other believers, man, I get hot for the things of God. You get me talking about the things of God and I hit another level. I just do. I've got this intensity about church. I've got this intensity about people. I've got this intensity about the things of God. And so it spills over, it boils over like a bubbling pot of water. It's an intense desire for something. You know, actually the word zeal is is related to the word for jealousy. It's really, really similar, really close. Zeal and jealousy. You know, you can really misuse jealousy. Jealousy is a bad thing. Jealousy, um, especially for something that's wrong. You know, uh, God, he, he said he's a jealous God. Have you ever thought about that scripture and thought, well, what? God's sinning. God can't be jealous. It's not a, it's not a jealousy for something that doesn't belong to him. That, this, see, this is the difference. God is passionate. God is intensely desiring of good, of what is for him, what belongs to him. He desired, He was jealous for us. He had a desire for us so much so that he sent his son. That's not sinful. That's not bad. That's, I'm grateful that God is a zealous God. Aren't you glad for that? And I believe he wants us the same way. He wants us passionately desiring the good work of the kingdom of God. Romans 1 verse 15 through 16. Talk about um, God creating us to feel this way about the good work. This is Paul. He's writing in Romans 1. He says, so for my part, I am ready and eager. I'm ready and I'm eager. That sounds like zeal to me. Like, I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing done. I'm ready and eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation from his wrath and punishment to everyone who believes in Christ as Savior, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was fired up about the gospel and his part in bringing it. This is how I believe God has purified us to live is with enthusiasm for the good work. Now, Paul had been called to the specific good work of preaching the gospel. Gospel. And I'll tell you, not every, not every person is, is called to like come up here on a Sunday morning and, and preach a message about the word, okay? And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we've all got our individual parts in the body. Amen. But you've got a good work that God's called you to do. And, and I believe we ought to be ready and eager, just like Paul was ready and eager. And, you know, even the preaching element, there is, there is a way for all of us to preach. You know, someone just quoted that at Bible study the other morning. Um, and I know my uncle, Pastor Uncle Jeff, he had uh, quoted that before. You know, preach the gospel, always use words if you have to, right? There are a lot of ways to live out the gospel. There are a lot of ways to preach the gospel. And whatever God has called you to do, it's going to be preaching the gospel to people. But we ought to be doing it zealously. We ought to be doing it with intensity, with passion, with a fervor for the things of God. We ought to be coming and saying, I'm ready and eager for work today because this is an opportunity for me to preach. 
My work is going to preach today. My, my conversations, they're going to preach today. They're going to show somebody the goodness of God today. And it's because I'm coming ready and eager. I've got expectation today. You know, that's how we ought to approach the day. I believe God has made us. He's renewed us. He's redeemed us to approach days like this, where we've got this intense desire to see the good things of God happen. There is a zeal for the good things of God. You know, zeal, I wrote it down like this. It takes things to another level. Um, Today's Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of people are probably going to watch football today. I was reminded of um, uh, something. I, I didn't know about this until I had read a book called um, Being Part of God's uh, Championship Team. It was something like that by Tony Cook. And he was talking uh, about enthusiasm. or I think it was passion is the word he used. And he was talking about the 12th man. Does anybody know about the 12th man? Not, it's not a movie, but it's, it's the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks. They have retired the number 12 jersey. It's in their stadium. It's a retired jersey. And it's for their fans. They said, we retired our jersey for our fans because they're known throughout the NFL to have the loudest fans the most enthusiastic fans in any stadium. And it's been said about playing their away teams don't like playing at Seattle because there's such an intensity that comes with the fans of Seattle that they say it's like having a 12th man on the football field. There's 11 players on a football field, right? Or on each team, so, you know, 22 total. They say playing at Seattle, playing against the Seahawks at home, it's like they've got a 12th man on the field, and it's because of the enthusiasm of their fans. There's an intensity, a boost, kind of, to do the work in Seattle because, well, there's, there's, a, there's a contagious effect to passion. Have you ever noticed that? There is a contagious effect of passion. When you get around somebody who's hot, who's passionate, who's intense, it kind of gets on you a little bit. You know that? Have you ever been around somebody who, like, they have a fever and you get, you sit too close and then it's like, oh, man, I'm hot. I need to get away from you. The heat transfers, right? You know, this example of Seattle, it, it's just a way to say, hey, passion is transferable. Passion is, is going to bring a, a new enthusiasm, a new intensity, what's going on, and it's contagious. You know, when we live with, with passion for God, for the good things of God, it's contagious. It's going to take our life to another level. You know that? Passion for the things of God is going to take your life to another level. It's going to take your day to another level. It's going to take your conversations to another level. When I'm talking to somebody about God and I'm passionate about the Word... It's going to take it to another level. It's, it's not just going to be like, oh, well, I read this. Yeah, well, you know, the Bible says this in Proverbs or it says this over here. And this is what the word says about it. It's like, hey, well, I got something that you need to know. There is hope. There is life. There is, there is good news in the word. It's not just like some other idea. It is something I am passionate about. Well, you know, people listen to what other people are passionate about. Have you ever noticed that before? When somebody starts telling you what they're passionate about, it changes the way they talk about it. You know, you're talking to somebody who really loves football. They talk about it different than I do. If you've, if you've been around here for a while, you've probably heard my grandpa talk about football. And it means something different to him than it does to me. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, football. Like today, right? You, you know, you're all going, if you're going to a Super Bowl party, you know there are going to be the people there that are just way too intense about the Super Bowl. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and see, some of you guys are like, what are you? There is no too intense. There is no too much enthusiasm. This is the Super Bowl. There, there are those who are very enthusiastic about it. It's a different level of intensity. That, that ought to be how the church is about the things of God. We shouldn't just be, you know, another person that knows some stuff about God. We are God's special, chosen, personal people who have been purified to be enthusiastic about the good work of the kingdom of God. 
And when we live that way, it's going to rub off on people. You ever been at a, at a, at a, like a watch party? Have you ever watched a game with true fans? You get excited about it with them. You know, I've noticed that I don't really care about, like, any sports, okay? I'm just, I'm not a sports person, and that's okay, right? That's okay. But I've gotten into some games because of who I'm around. I've been around the people that love this team. Oh, this person, let me tell you about their stats. Let me, let me tell you about, not Aaron Rodgers because he's not in the Super Bowl. Let me tell you about... <laughs> Let me tell you about my person. I'm so excited about this person. I know about, I know this person. I'm personal with this person, even though I've never talked to him before. I know about this person. That's how we should be with Christ. I know him. I I got something here that's good. I need you to know. I need you to understand. I, I want you to love him the way that I love him. I've got such a passion for him because of what I've seen him do in my life. Sorry about this mic. It's a little different preaching with a handheld mic. There's an intensity that's contagious. There's an intensity that rubs off on people. You know, I've got some things prepared, and I don't think I'm going to be able to talk about all of it because it's already 1130, and we've got to eat some, some food this morning, right? Let's, I want to I just give you a few things quick, all right? I'm going to go through this probably too fast, but it's important. The benefits of zeal. You know, we're talking about this passion that comes out with zeal. Um, Zeal is going to cause this, this fervor for serving the Lord. It's going to cause an intensity about serving the Lord, which fulfills something we're, we're told in Scripture. Romans 12, verse 11 says, Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. God doesn't... I don't think God wants people that just like half-heartedly serve Him. Like, if, if that's where you're at, I'm not... Don't take this to mean God doesn't want you to serve Him. He wants you serving Him, but do it all the way. Serve him all the way. Give him all your intensity, all your passion, all your desire. Give him fervor. Give him fire. Don't just give him enough to get the, the pot warm. Let it boil over. Let your heart for God boil over in what you say and what you do and how you live and how you read the word, how you pray, how you worship. Don't just do it halfway. Let that thing boil. Because fervor for God is going to do something that just a little simmer won't do. You want that pot boiling. We want the heat hot. I'm not even going to take you to Revelation 3 and talk about the lukewarm thing, but we could. I mean, right? God spits it out. He doesn't want something lukewarm. He wants hot. Amen? I want to be hot. I want to be pleasing to God. Let's talk about this too in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I'm going to read both of these. We talk about the spiritual gifts. You've heard that message before. Do you know that God wants you zealous about the gifts of the Spirit. This, this was kind of like something I hadn't really seen or considered in this way before. It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but I earnestly desire the best gifts, the spiritual gifts. This is at the end of listing all the spiritual gifts. I earnestly desire. I have passion. I have enthusiasm. I have a fire about the gifts of the Spirit. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Let's, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts have zeal, have passion, have enthusiasm about the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I don't think God wants us like, you know, if it happens, it happens. If God has a word of prophecy, he has a word of prophecy. 
If God wants to heal, then I guess I'll just wait and see if he heals. God wants a desire. God wants an intensity. God wants a passion. And I feel like the reason I don't see more spiritual gift manifesting in life is because I don't, I'm not passionate about it the way he wants me passionate about it. Now, I'm not saying that like, oh, this is all on us. No, it is by the Spirit's leading that the gifts flow. But we ought to be desiring them. Well, this is where I'm saying I believe God is, is calling out a passion in the people. I think too many believers are content to just like, I'm going to listen to a sermon and I might put on some worship in the car and like, that's good. God's got so much more. God's got a boil over for your life. God's got a, a pot of living water spilling out a river that's meant to flow. And I'll tell you, it's passion. It's enthusiasm. It's, it's this intense, hot desire for the things of God. God, I, I don't want to live without your spirit moving in my life. I don't want to live without your life in me. Fired up for the spiritual gifts. And I wrote it down like this. It's not some like ooh and ah. Because zeal for the gifts of God isn't like, oh, it would be really cool to see someone healed. It would be really great to, to hear a word of prophecy. No, it's like, I need this, this in my life. I, I need the heat, God. I need the heat in my life. I want your gifts in my life. It's the power of God in full operation. It's not that I just want this so that I can say I saw it. It is I need this to live fully effective, fully empowered like you've called me to live. That's zeal for God. Amen. And I believe that's what he wants for us is to live this way. Let me give you another point about what the zeal will do in your life. First Corinthians nine verse 24 says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run with zeal. Run with passion. Run with heart. Because that's the one who wins. The one who's got the passion and, and has prepared. There's preparation. Hey, we were talked about being taught by grace, right? About growing and learning. About being matured. About training. But I'll tell you this. The one with heart. The one with passion. I love the movie Rudy. Do you love the movie Rudy? Have you seen the movie Rudy? I told you I wasn't a sports guy. But I love Rudy, man. This guy, he spends four years just getting beat up. I relate to Rudy because I was a really tiny freshman in high school and I got like thrown all over the football field. I remember my first day at practice, they put me up against the biggest linebacker on our varsity team. I don't know why they did that. And I'm holding this bag and he hits me and I went airborne back 10 feet in the air, land like on my head. If you're wondering why I am the way I am. And <laughs> that's just a joke. God made me this way. All right. And so I get thrown way back and this guy comes up to me. He's like, Oh, are you okay, man? So I relate to Rudy, okay? Because I was this little kid that got all beat up in, in football, all right? And so he spends four years getting beat up, but he had heart. And he kept going. He kept pursuing. And at the end of the movie, we see him come out on the field. Rudy, Rudy. And it's awesome because the guy had heart. He had passion. He had desire. He had a fervor, a fire for the game. I want to live that way. I want, I want to live for God that way with a passion, with a fire, with a heart. Uh, you can knock me down for four years. I, I can sit on the bench for four years if I have to, but I'm going to be ready to get in the game when you call me, Lord. I'm going to be ready to play when you call me to play. I won't neglect. I won't, I won't hit the brakes. I won't start to coast. I've got passion that's going to keep me moving forward. I've got passion that's going to keep me growing, keep me running, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Fervor for God is what contends with spiritual apathy. Fervor for God is what, what will put to rest spiritual boredom. I've been in church my whole life, and I'll tell you, there have been times where I've been bored. 
honest confession here. Hope that's all right with you all. I'm, I don't know if anybody else has ever felt bored in church. I have. And it was because, it wasn't because wasn't the preacher wasn't preaching good enough or the worship wasn't good enough. It was because my zeal for God, I wasn't stirring up the fire. I wasn't fanning the flames. I, I was letting my fire get cold. I was letting my, my intensity for the things of God get cold. But when I make a decision in my own life, in my own heart, and I start stirring it, we're going to talk. I know I'm going to run too long today, but Grandma knew it was going to happen anyway, so it's all right. I'm going to talk about stirring it up because we have to stir it up. It's not just on God. It's not just on God to have, you know, he created you, he purified you to be zealous, to be enthusiastic, but we've got a part in it. We're going to see it today. We ought to be stirring ourselves up because that's where we're never going to get bored with the things of God. And I'll tell you this, you better learn how to not get bored with the things of God because we're going to spend eternity with him. Yeah. If you get bored at church, you better get some zeal because we're going to spend eternity in church. Yeah. We're going to be worshiping him forever. We're, we're going to be before the word forever. And, and if that is something where you're like, oh, great. Tell you what, get, get the heat up. Get some passion going. Get your zeal back. Get your zeal back. Because it's a good thing. I can't wait. I cannot wait to get to heaven and have it be church all the time. I don't know. I like that. I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Are you excited about the race you're running? Well, praise the Lord. Here's one other thing that zeal will do. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. This is a scripture that's been, it was kind of quoted a lot last year, especially when churches were coming back. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need passionate people around us. You need to be a passionate person for someone else in your life. Parent, your kids need you to be on fire for God. Because they don't have someone at school that's showing them what it means to live on fire for God. Just telling you, I'm a product of parents who are on fire for God. I'm not saying you want your kids to turn out like me, okay? But parents, you got to be fired up. Your kids need someone to show them what it's like to be on fire for the things of God. Living hot for the things of God. Church, we need each other. We need passionate people around us. Stirring up the fire. Encouraging the fire that's in us. So we as a church stay fired up for the things of God. You want to know how churches die in the world? It's because the passion dies. It's because the fire dies. That, that's why there are churches. Oh, we've been just preaching the word here time in, time out. I'm not coming against that. I'm going to preach the word every Sunday as long as I am here. But I'll tell you this, when the passion goes, it gets cold. And when it gets cold, well, you, you stop pressing forward. It's, it's this race thing. When, when you get cold, when you get tired and you don't have somebody with you to fire you back up, get that fire stirred up in you again, the passion can go out. I don't ever want to live without passion for the things of God. I, I don't think I have time to do it this morning, but there were two examples I wanted to go to. One was Paul. You know, he was a very zealous person. I'll just give you the reference. Philippians 3, 6, 3 verse 6 talks about Paul. He's saying, I was so zealous. I, I used to persecute the church. I'll tell you what, Paul changed. He had a heart change. And he took his zeal. The guy wrote like half the New Testament. He went all around the Mediterranean and established churches. He went before the emperor of Rome and gave testimony of the gospel. The guy got it done. 
The guy got the good work done, and it was because he had zeal for the things of God. He just took the zeal that used to be bad, and he converted it into something good. If you've been zealous for something bad in your life, here's the good news. You can still use it as a Christian. You can still use the zeal as a Christian. Just use it for the things of God, and you're going to see glory. You're going to see fruit. You're going to see increase in life and in the kingdom, because that's what zeal will produce. The other one I wanted to talk about is Christ. Let's go to John 6, verse 15. Christ. You know, Christ was zealous. Christ was passionate. I could, I could have gone to many different verses, but here's one, kind of almost like an understated verse, something you've probably read right over in your Bible before. It says this, Jesus, he had been going around doing miracles. It says, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. This took zeal for him to do. They wanted to make Jesus king of Israel. And Jesus came to be king. This struck me because Jesus, right here, what he's doing is refusing to take a shortcut. He's refusing to short sell the plan of God because he knew that if he just went with what the people wanted, if he went along with what the crowd wanted, which was to make him king, he would have been shortcutting the plan of God. They might have, they, they probably would have established a great and mighty kingdom, nation of Israel. But I'll tell you what, all of us, unless we've got any people of Jewish descent in the room, all of us would be lost in the world, getting conquered by the people of Israel. God didn't want that. He had a glorious plan to redeem all of creation. Isn't that good news? Jesus was focused and he was passionate, passionate enough to say no to a distraction. That's what, the, and this was a big distraction. I mean, if somebody showed up tomorrow and said, hey, I want to give you all the resources in America. I want to give you total power and authority in America. What do you think about that? What would you say to that? Would you stay on plan? Would you stay on, on mission, on purpose? Because we've been given a purpose in Christ. Zeal is, is going to keep you focused. If, if you... If you're so uh, uh, focused on the destination and then you apply zeal to that, you are, well, it's like the race. We're going to run and not grow weary. I'm not going to look to the right or to the left or back behind me. I'm just going to keep moving forward into what God has for me. I can, I can say no easily to distractions that come. I mean, if somebody came to me tomorrow and was like, hey, I want you to, you know, go do this other, I want you to come and, I want you to come run a company. Or I'll, I'll, here's one for you. If someone came to me tomorrow and said, hey, I want you to come and run a church of like, a thousand people in, I don't know, like Omaha or something. I'd be like, no, because I know where I'm supposed to be. No, I don't have any passion for that. I have passion for what God's called me to do. And that's pastor abundant life ministries in Jefferson, Iowa. So no, I, no, thanks. Like, thank you, but no, thank you. Jesus was totally focused on the father's will. If we go ahead, just a few verses to chapter 30 or verse 38 in chapter six of John, Jesus says this for, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the good work, is doing the will of him who sent us, who created us as new creations in Christ. The good work is to do the will of God. And we know that Christ's work was good because two verses later in verse 40, he said, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. I'm glad Jesus did the good work of God. I'm glad he was passionately, intensely focused, fired up about being the sacrifice for all of us. Praise God, he was passionate about doing God's work and not his own work. Amen? I believe when we live this way, when we're so focused on the good work that God has before us, 
We're going to be able to, we're going to, be able to endure and pursue and do it with fire. It's going to rub off on other people like we talked about a minute ago. If I can do just a couple more things quick today, I, I want to share with you for a minute about increasing zeal. Because I said earlier, you know, if, if you've lost your zeal, I want you to know you can, you can get it back. You can get it back. If you were once passionate about the things of God, it can come again. Let's read 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Paul's writing to Timothy, a young minister, and he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. As I, I was praying about this scripture, what I saw is like, when you and I get saved... There is a fire that begins in us. Do you, anybody remember when you got saved and you were like excited? Maybe it happened just in a service. Maybe it happened in your home. I don't know where it happened, but wherever it was, there was probably like an intensity that came upon your life in that moment. There, there was something better. There was a change. Lord, I'm excited about what this means. I'm a Christian now. Does anybody remember feeling that way? I do. I remember when I like totally sold my life out to God. I was like, you know what? Whatever I had planned, forget about it. I just want to do what you want me to do. There was such an intense moment in my life. It's a gift. It's given to you. There's this, there's this fire that's given to us when we receive Christ. And Paul writes to Timothy, he says, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Passion, zeal for God. It's not just something that like happens to you. It's something that's stirred within you. I believe when we get saved, there, there is a fire that is ignited in us. There is some, there's a fire that comes to life inside of us. But once that fire is ignited, I believe that we've got a responsibility to stir it up. You know, if somebody came to my house and built a fire for me, I would want to keep that fire going. Wouldn't you? How do you keep a fire going? This is just a little analogy for you. How do you keep a fire going? You got to feed it. You got to tend it. You got to guard it. And you got to give it oxygen. You got to let it breathe. Let me just put that in, in like word terms. Feed it. You got to get the word in you. If you want your zeal, your passion for God to grow, to, to be passionate about the good work that God has for you, we got to be reading the word. Because that's what's going to feed us, feed our fire. Reading the word, it's not just a box we check on our obligations to God. It is fuel for the fire. Reading the word will fire you up. When I open the word and I get an hour to read, I leave fired up. I leave different than I started the day. Reading the word, feeding your fire will, will get you fired up. Tend it. You know, I, I put this in perspective with relationships. We talked about how we need other people to fire us up. We need other people to kind of uh, poke the fire in us. I want people in my life who are fired up too. And that as I get with them, there is going to be a mutual stirring up, a mutual uh, growing and building of the things of God, a mutual growing of passion for the things of God. I got to say, this is why we need to be in church, because when we're in church, we get fired up in a different way than you do listening to a message online. I mean, I've, I've heard this from people. They've testified to me and said, hey, you know what? I've watched church online for a couple months and like, it was great, but I don't really get into it the same way as I do when I'm there. I don't really get into the message the same way. I don't really like leave feeling the same way as when I come to church. You want to know why? It's because there's fire in the presence of the people of God. There's a, there's a passion that comes from getting around the people of God. Proximity to other people who are hot for the things of God, it'll make you hot too. It's that like transferable heat. Heat transfers by contact, amen? 
I want to get into contact with some people who are hot for the things of God. It'll stir us up. Guarded. You know, I was thinking about a fire gets quenched when we just dump water on it. You got to be careful not to let the things of the world, the cares of your world, stop your fire, to choke your fire out, to quench the fire that God's put in you. You know, another uh, thing I could reference here would be like the, the parable of the sower. You know, there was a seed that got choked out because there were thorns, the cares and the weights of life that came and strangled it out. It didn't allow it to grow and thrive. Fire's the same way. If you isolate a fire, if you, guard, if you don't guard a fire and give it the room to grow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get starved out. We, we have to be aware of what we're letting into our life because there are some things that are going to take the passion that you have and they're going to reduce it. The enemy has a plan to put your fire out. You know that? He wants you to be cold for the th- or at least lukewarm for the things of God. He wants to get you spread off from the body. He wants to get you to stop reading the word of God. He wants to get you to allow just anything and everything into your life because when he does that, it's going to reduce the fire. He wants to stop the things of the spirit. He wants to stop tongues from being something that we're used to and that we do in our life because tongues will build your spirit man up. It says that in the word. He doesn't want people to be healed. He doesn't want people to be prophesied to. He doesn't want the gifts of the spirit to flow because the spirit is wind. It's life and it fuels a fire. The devil, he wants to put fires out. God wants to build fires up. Here's some things. Stir up the fire. Stir up the fire. Feed it, tend it, guard it, and give it oxygen. Let the spirit be part of your life and build up a roaring fire for God. I want to be built into a roaring fire for God. I want to end with this. If we go to Ephesians 2 verse 10. We talked about the good things. I just, I want to give you like this framework because there's a lot of things we can do in life, aren't there? We have a lot of decisions. We have a lot of options. There are a lot of things that we can, we can put our passion into, you know, whether it's being a professional snowboarder or making your own library or in your bedroom, there are a lot of things you can put passion into. You can put your time, your energy, your life into and your enthusiasm into Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. This is the good work that we're supposed to be passionate about. And I can't, I can't go through every person in this church today and tell you this is what God has a good work. This is the good work God has for you. I know sometimes we want that. I've wanted that before. I've wanted somebody to just sit down with me and have like the prophetic word. This is what God wants you to do with your life. Has anybody ever desired that before? I have. I'm grateful that the Lord has, has, matured me and helped me grow into a place where now I just, I listen and I pursue him. I let him guide and lead me one step at a time. I don't have to get the whole game plan all at once. That's a whole different sermon for you. But the good plan God has for you is going to fall into a framework of being good. Zeal for the good. We ought to be passionate about the plan God has for us. How do we know that what we're putting our passion to is the good work God has for us? I want to give you two references in Scripture. Two, these, these are like a checklist, all right? These are those Scriptures where they go through and give you a bunch of words, a bunch of words that we could apply. The first one's Philippians 4, verse 8 in the New Living Translation. These are a couple Scriptures I'm going to give you. Philippians 4, 8 is the first one where we could go here and look at what, what we're putting our passion into And here's the question we should ask. The thing I'm giving my passion to, does it line up with this list? Is it good based on this list? 
that God's given me. Philippians 4 verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is talking about meditating on good things. If God's plan for you is good, then it's going to involve the same words that we would see about good thoughts, right? Good things to meditate on. So if I'm putting my passion into something and I want to put my passion into the good things rather than the bad things, the thing I'm passionate about ought to fit into this list. It ought to be something that is true, that's honorable, that's right, that's pure, that's lovely, that's admirable. You know, here's a story for you. When I was in college, I worked at a country club as a waiter. And I remember I was 20 years old at the time. I was about to turn 21 and my boss came up to me and he said, Isaac, you're, you're, you're really like, you, you apply yourself. You do a good job. He said, I want, when you turn 21, I want to make you the bartender here. I want you to be the one that serves drinks to like all of these really rich people. And I'll tell you, it was tempting because our bartenders made a lot of money. I mean, people came in and they would spend a lot of money getting very inebriated and the bartenders made a lot of money. And I remember talking to my dad on the phone one day and I said, dad, this is like a really, I'm going to Bible college at this time. Okay. I'm in Bible school. And then I'm working at a country club where people are getting trashed every weekend. And I remember telling dad, you know, this is kind of tempting because I'd be, I was living like paper thin budget. I did not have extra money at the end of the month. And I'm like, dad, it would be really nice to be making double what I'm making right now. And I mean, it's not like it's changing what I'm, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be getting drunk. I'm not even going to drink on like, that's not going to be a factor. I'm just going to be giving these and, and they're going to get it anyway. So it's like, you know, is it really wrong of me? And he pointed me to this scripture right here. He said, Isaac, the work you're doing is supposed to be good. Do you think it would be true or honorable? Would it be honorable? Would it be right? Would it be pure and lovely and admirable to be the bartender that's getting these people what they want to do what they want to do? And I said, no. He says, well, then there's your answer. And I wasn't the most passionate about that job. It was, it was preparation so that I could, I could go and do the things God had for me in the future. But that was a moment where I was able to take a real look at the work that was before me and think, is this, is this what God would really want me to do? Is this really something that I should be putting my time, my energy, passion into doing? It was an easy answer when I compared it to the word. Worship team, if you all would come up, we're going we're gonna to close with this last scripture. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Our last scripture today. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. These are the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit. It says in Galatians 5, 22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Here's what I wrote down about this. God's work plan for your life will align with his production plan for your life. God's work plan is going to align with his production plan. He has a plan. He's given his spirit to you so that your life would produce these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what he wants produced in our lives as believers. Do you believe that this morning? We just read it in the word. Well then, wouldn't the good work that God called me to do align with this word? Wouldn't the work that I'm doing be work that, that... this is what's produced. When I'm applying my passion, I'm making a decision of where I'm going. 
you know that's kind of how we started this off our passion it's just a vehicle to get you somewhere it's taking you to the things of God to the good work of God or it's taking you somewhere else I want to go to the good work of God I want to pursue the product God has for me in love joy and all of the things we read there I want to go to what's good I want to fix my thoughts I want to fix my work I want to fix my passion to be applied to what's true honorable right pure lovely and admirable I want to do what's excellent and worthy of praise. I want to run the race well. I want to continue to be fired up with my life. I don't want to get sidetracked or be pulled off to the side of of the race of life. I don't want to be brought down. I don't want to be cooled off. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be cooled off when it comes to the things of God. I want to live this life boiling over. I want to live this life hot and fervent for the things of God. Because I believe that's what he wants for us. It's what we read in Titus 2, right? He purified us to be enthusiastic for doing the good work. I want to be enthusiastic about doing the good work. I don't know if you've been stirred up this morning. I pray that you have. I hope that you have. I just pray that as we end this service, you go with with a revelation and an understanding of the passion God has for you. It's part of his plan. You know, it's not a side effect. It's not some, like, secondary thing. Oh, yeah, you know, maybe some days I'll be kind of excited about the things of God. God's plan for you is to be passionate about the good work. And I believe that in Him we've looked this morning at some ways we can stir it up. He's given you a fire. He's given you a passion. Let's stir it up every day so we can go and do the good work in a passionate way. Amen? Would you stand with us this morning and pray as we close the service?